Hey guys, thank you. Uh, would you guys pray with me? Um, Father, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for those tuning in online. Father, I thank you for those that are in a car right now. I thank you for those in a house. Lord, I thank you for those at work. I thank you for those watching maybe even weeks and months after this is filmed. Um, Father, I do believe no matter when somebody turn, tunes in, Lord, that they are not tuning in by accident. Um, Father, that you have something to say to everybody. Father, would you move through this experience? Would you speak? Would this be about you? Would this be about your word? Um, Father, um, I am thankful that you use a sinner like me to be able to speak your holy word um, to people. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. Have you guys ever had that moment uh, where you have thought, this is living, this is life, like this, I, I have arrived, that type of a moment. Uh, I had it uh, probably, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, my wife and I went on our 10-year uh, anniversary cruise, and uh, there's some pictures up there uh, from that cruise, and uh, I kind of had that first time in my life uh, that that moment, like this is living. One, two two times in that cruise, one was was sitting out like under a, a cabana on one of the on one of the decks, uh, just overlooking the ocean, and just like man, this is. This is this is living, and uh, there was a, when we first got on the cruise, the sun was the sun was setting, and just that balcony, and, and there with my bride, ten years in, three kids later, and here we are on a, on a cruise ship, thinking this is life. We have arrived. What's that moment for you? I know 2020 has kicked us in the pants, so maybe the moment looks different this year. But what's that moment? What, maybe, maybe you have already achieved it, or maybe you're striving for it. Maybe, you're stri maybe it's that, the corner office. Once I get the corner office, it's like, this is living. Once I have a friend, maybe it's, maybe it's once I can move out of New Jersey and get to Florida. This is living. Maybe it is, you know what? I have been trying. I've gone from minivan, and now I've got the convertible. This is living. But it's Christmas season. So maybe it's, you know what? I'm at Rockefeller. Follow it for whatever. Rock it. Well, I'm at the ice skating rink in New York and I'm skating with my love. Or it's 2020 and you know what? My this is living moment is simply my kids aren't screaming. My kids, dad, dad has the kids and I'm the mom just sitting in a house quiet and this is living. What's that moment? What are we investing into? What are we striving for to get to that moment, to get to that proverbial moment where we can pause and say, this is living. Are those things bad? No, those things are ultimately bad, but are they ultimately the thing that we should be striving for at the highest level? Are they the ultimate? That's my question to start this off. What is real living? What, I, what, what we think is real living, what would, what would it take to start dreaming about when we think about this is real living to, to go to a place where we're thinking about and dreaming about the life to come? 
That is next level. To get to the point where we're saying real living is, is not the, the pool chair, but it's the baptismal pool. It, to say to, to us, like when we get that moment where we pause and say, man, this is life, it's not sitting next to the pool. It's seeing somebody publicly confess their faith at the baptismal pool. Here's what I want us to see in this online experience. I want us to understand the thrill of giving. I want us to understand how impactful giving is, how impactful this type of life is, striving for kingdom living. Stingy people simply don't know the thrill, the joy, the adventure of giving for kingdom impact. Graham preached last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about the Jerusalem church and how they were struggling and Paul coming and saying like, let's, let's, let's help this church out and some concepts there. And, and this week we're kind of picking that up now in chapter 9. And here's what Paul says. Uh, I think it's in verse 6. He says there, the point of this is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In many areas of our lives, we expect little investment to yield a big return. That's kind of the American way, right? Like, let's do as little as possible, but we expect we're entitled to the world. I can grind for an hour, but I want to be paid like I've been grinding for 55 hours. It's that type of mentality. And Paul is, is saying that when we invest, we, we, are, we are never a loser for investing. We're never a loser for, for being generous. That, that, that we can invest and we can, there will be a harvest when God is involved. But his point is this. If you reap a little, why would you expect a big harvest? That a farmer or a gardener knows that one or two seeds is not going to yield a crop. That it's seed after seed after seed after seed that will yield a crop. That's how you go about it. But to sow little, you're also having little chance of a harvest. When we think about it from, from the perspective of Christ, what did he invest? Did he sow sparingly? No, I think it's in Romans. Isn't it Romans? He says that, 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 he, that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So this concept, this concept has been abused so many times to, to turn Christ into a Ponzi scheme. No, it's not invest a lot and then get a lot. No, God is saying that he will meet our needs, not our greed. He, he's going, like when we invest, God is going to take care of us. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to match us dollar for dollar. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to supply so that we can fill the needs of our Greed. Greed is not gospel living. What I think that Paul is driving at here, our big concept for, for this online experience is this. Giving is living. It's simply that simple. Giving is living. Giving is living. Giving is living when we're living for the kingdom and we're, and we're giving for the kingdom. To give is to live. Like that is, that is an essence. That is a core belief of, of Christianity when we're trusting our king and our, our savior in our generosity. 
So in these remaining verses, verses 7 through 15, Paul is going to express three ways where where we can be impactful. How our giving, giving is living. Here's the impact that this is going to have as we live this way. So the first thing Paul is going to point out is that it's an impactful decision. Giving is living. And first, it's an impactful decision. He says this in the next verse, each one. So this isn't like a few of you. Hey, the ones that, the ones here and there, no, everyone, everybody that calls on Jesus plays a role in the, in the financial work of the ministry. Everyone, no exceptions, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a what? Cheerful giver, somebody with a smile on their face. So if you are a farmer, your motives make no difference to whether or not there's going to be a harvest. You can, if your motives are, well, I just want to get rich and I'm making it rain seed, your motives are not going to yield a crop or not yield. That makes no difference. But to God, our motives make a difference. That does matter for the Christian. The, the word cheerful here in the Greek is, is where we get and derive the word hilarious. That, that now we're not supposed to make a joke of giving, that God doesn't love a ridiculous giver. But God does look at the motive. He desires for us to be so overwhelmed by him that it is a smile on our face. It is a celebration to say, God, you have so provided and I get to build your kingdom through my financial contribution. And if you can't give with a smile on your face, then what Paul is pointing out here is that you have to look within You have to look to the heart and say, why can't I give with a smile? Fun, fun is giving. Fun fun is is a response to God and to his grace and and giving to others and seeing the love and the joy that it produces. It's it's giving to ministry. It's it's giving to a vision that we we believe in. Can God bless a, a gift that's given out of a sense of duty? Sure, But God is not going to bless unless the heart is right. So is our, the giver himself, is our heart right as we give? Let me, let me paint it this way. Ava, could you come up here and and sit here for a second? Uh, So this happened this past week where, uh, where I had, Monday was a long day for me. I just kind of want you to see Ava's face here as I, as I talk. You don't have to talk or do anything, but uh, on Monday, I kind of had a long day where, uh, these are my kids, kids place. I had a long day. I, I woke up early, was working on the sermon. Then at 7.30, I had a meeting. Uh, and then I had meetings all day. I got home around like 4.30. Uh, then we had to go back to the church, I think, right? Monday night? Yeah, we had to go back to the church for another meeting uh, in the evening time. Uh, and so like I had an hour window. Ava also works all day. She works really hard. And, uh, and, and her job requires a lot of brain power. And so she's fried. I get home. She's already starting to make dinner. I get on my phone. I start playing Catan on my phone to just kind of kill my brain. And, and she goes, as I'm sitting there, she goes, hey, could you make the plates for the kids? And I don't know if you caught this. I'm sure you did. Uh, but I started giving her silent attitude. Like, I, went, I didn't really respond. I just kind of, like, reluctantly went, like, like, and it was, like, not happy, not chipper. Because in my mind, the selfish jerk Jason was, like, 
I just, I have like a one hour break and you want me to fill the, like you're right there. Why can't you do this? Now, selfish jerk. Instead of, hey, you've been, you've been working just like me. You've been investing just like me. It should be my joy to just make the kids plate. Because, okay, because, you, because she made dinner. Yes, I get that. There's other moments where, where I, I know Ava doesn't like, if I were to buy Ava these flowers, this is ShopRite's very best. If I were to buy this for Ava, walk home, come into the door, into the kitchen, through, through our garage, into the kitchen, and be like, I got you ShopRite's best. Here you go. Cheapens it, right? But if it's on my way home and I was just like, you know what, like, Ava's been grinding all day. I come home and I'm like, Ava, like, your day was just as hard as my day. Here, like, I got you these just as a pick-me-up. I, I, I wicked love you. It changes it, right? It changes it as I, as I, give, it, as I give it to her. There's, there's been other times where, where, she's, where she's asking me to do the dishes, She's like, hey, could you fill the dishwasher? I hate filling the dishwasher. I hate unloading the dishwasher. And, and there are moments where, where Ava will do it. I will have walked by the dishwasher 30 times during the day, but she will fill it. And then guess what? She has this habit where she will fill it, but she'll forget to turn the machine on. So I'll go the next day and all the dishes are still dirty and I will have the guts to look at my wife and be like, and not say, hey, I walked by the dishwasher 30 times yesterday, but you filled it. You think you could turn the machine on? Oh, like you didn't do it right. Like I'm going to have the guts to say that to her. She's going to take a plate out of the dirty dishwasher and throw it at me instead of being like, you know what? I can just simply push this button and make no difference of it. There was also one last example where, where if I love my wife, there was a time, what was that thing that you were using where you sliced your finger? Mandolin, where, where she slices her finger, the literal tip of her finger comes off of her finger, and she's all of a sudden, Jason, 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 ah, ah, and she's dying. And, and I could have just said, well, here's a Band-Aid. Here's our PJ mask Band-Aids. Knock yourself out. Or, or hey, Ava, before, hey, your, your hand, let me first just show you why you did this wrong. Let me show you how to use a mandolin so in the future, you know, all she wants in that moment is for me to actually get the gauze pads to, to wrap her finger, put it up and be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, you're not, you're an Enneagram six. You're very anxious. Literally, you are not dying. This is not going to end in death. We will take care of this instead of the selfish attitude of like, well, you did this to yourself. You should take care of yourself. Two different attitudes. Ava, you can, you can have a seat. If you're online, you should give her a thumbs up for putting up with selfish, uh, selfish me. And, uh, but there are two attitudes where I, can, where I can look at different scenarios, different situations, and I can, I can say, hey, the decision is how I go about this, this next moment. And I can say, you know what? Hey, I don't have to do the dishes. It's not my responsibility. I don't have to help my wife when she's cut her finger. Uh, it's not my, she did that to herself. Uh, I have, in those moments, I have a decision to make on how I'm going to go about this. And you know what? The decision isn't made in that moment. The decision is made 11 years ago when I said I do to the relationship. Because now the relationship compels me 
The relationship should compel me to make my kids play. The relationship should compel me to help out with the dishes. The relationship should compel me that when my wife is hurting, that I'm going to come alongside her and help her and be a part of the healing process. When the relationship doesn't compel me to help with a smile on my face, it's not the relationship's fault. I can tell you 99% of the time, it's selfish Jason. And so when it comes to, to giving, if I'm a sad giver, what does that communicate to God? If I'm a mad giver, I'm one of those like, oh, they're talking about money again. Here's another church. What does that communicate to God? But what does a heart that says, God, I'm so happy to give to you. What does that communicate to God? Don't give because you have to. Give because you can. Don't give to earn. Give because you're thankful <laughs> that he first loved you. Love motivated God, so love the world that he, did, he gave. So love motivated his decision, and I pray that love motivates our decision. The second thing, if, if giving is living, it's going to be impactful to me, but then it's going, it's, I'm sorry, it's going to be an impactful decision, but then secondly, it's going to be impactful to me. He says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all the sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He supplies seed to the sower. He's the one supplying it. And bread for food will supply and multiply for seed for your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce what? Thanksgiving to God. That we can be so liberal. We can be so, we can be so giving with our finances. We can so be giving with ourselves. We can give till it hurts. Why? Because God's love abounds. God's grace abounds. That, that, can you outgive God? Can you give God? Can you give more than what God has? Well, He gave us His Son. How can I outgive that? Can you give more than what God has in His bank account? Nope. Can you give to the point where God is going to say, geez. I'm tapped out. This is a first. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got nothing left to help you. That's not going to happen to the God that owns it all. And so those concepts that I just said, when we give, we're also building our character. We're building a character of trust. Trusting those concepts that God is never going to be tapped out and say, you know what, you've been so generous, but... You know, I'm just going to forget about you for the, from here on out. No, we trust that God is a gracious, abounding, a loving God, that he supplies. He's a supplier in that regards. To trust that as we give builds our character, builds our faith. Through giving, our character grows. Through giving, we grow in understanding that my God is sufficient. Through giving, we're not trying to earn righteousness, but the righteousness of our lives is revealed through giving. Money is simply a seed. There's other ways to produce a harvest, 
But if we don't handle our money the way God has asked us to handle money, our, the harvest will be poor. So we, we invest as God asks us to invest. And what does this verse talk about? It talks about how the end result is God's glory. The end result is that people praise and give, and give thanksgiving to God. This is what happened in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is hurting. Jerusalem used to be real generous. Jerusalem used to be like the pinnacle. And now they find themselves in poverty. Many churches come to, to their rescue. They are, they, they are able to now move forward. And it's a big old worship party as God has met the needs of this church. Have you ever had a coffee with, with the person that, that you know, like, you know, when it comes time to pay the bill, they're not going to pick up coffee. At the very best, you're having, you're having lunch, you're having coffee with something, and you know, you know what? They're never going to pick up the bill. The best I can hope for is that they're going to go halvesies. They're going to split it with me. Like, they're, they are that cheap. Let me, let me read you a story about, uh, not a story per se, but an email from Sue Langworthy about Wheels Langworthy. I asked her in an email, I was like, hey, what was Wheels like before Jesus? Was he, was he a super generous person? And, uh, and if you know Wheels, we're going to get to Wheels currently. But she said this, no, not at all. When we went to church, he didn't, have a, he didn't give a single dollar bill or throw anything into the plate. He was always a hard worker, but he would charge for his labor. He would do favors for, for his friends and family here and there, but never strangers. And if it was friends and family, he always worked for beer. He wasn't the one to grab the bill at the end of the meal with friends and family. He was never that person. I, and I'm pretty sure he was a pretty bad tipper. Because he worked so hard and was, and, and was he had this, like, before Jesus, Wheels was an addict, uh, and, and so he would work hard, make extra money, and the extra money after he provided for his family would go to other habits. And so Sue was saying, my parents had to pay for a lot of things because there was no extra. If I wanted to send my girls to Girl Scout camp, I had to get a job at Girl Scout camp so they could go for free. If you know Wheels Langworthy, that does not describe him anymore. If you know Wheels Langworthy, when I have breakfast with Wheels, we fight every time the bill comes. But it's because Wheels says, no, you got it last time. And every single time he's lying, but he's forcing me to try to believe that I picked up the bill last time because he pays every single time. Wheels will come in and be like, I got overtime. And guess what? I can give more to the church. He, when, he, when he thinks about giving more to Jesus, there is a grin on his face. When he is here working behind the scenes and he sees and knows that people just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, he is beaming. I know Wheels and Sue Langworthy to be some of the most generous people on planet Earth because Jesus got a hold of their lives. It's a weird thing to explain, but the more I give, the more I realize I am blessed. The more I give, I realize that I have the means to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a part of what we're going, what we're doing here. I'm blessed to be, to see all of the diapers lining our hallways and know that I played a small 
part in that. And I cannot wait for December 13th when we're in this room and we're having a big old worship party celebrating that we gave out all of these diapers. And so test God, give sacrificially. And I bet you the biggest impact when you give sacrificially is not going to be on your wallet. It's going to be on your spirit. The third thing, if giving is living, it's going to be an impactful decision. It's impactful to me. And then it's impactful beyond me. Here's here's how Paul concludes this passage. He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify who? God. Because of your submission, your obedience, that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This church in Jerusalem was known for being generous. It was a pinnacle of of the church and of of faith er, early on. And then they find themselves in need. Did they stay there? Did they die there? Nope. An unlikely hero, Paul, gets a whole bunch of churches and comes to their support. Did the churches say, you know what? Hey, it's not our fault that there's a famine. It's not our fault that you're, that you're poor. No, that would have been a lack of maturity. They could have said, no, you know, hey, no, no. Churches closer to you should be, should be helping out. No, they didn't, they didn't say that. Could they, have, could they have said, you know, hey, we believe in giving, but first let us take care of our own self and then we'll help you out. No, they didn't say that. No, they were able to give sacrificially until it hurt. And you know what happened? It became a testimony to the Pharisees that were trying to squash the church in Jerusalem that it wasn't just the Jewish people coming alongside the Jewish Christians, but no, it was the Gentiles, the unclean, dirty Gentiles coming to the help of those in poverty and making a way for them to survive and to move forward. That is the gospel. The gospel never has a me first mentality. The gospel has, how can I serve? If it's a me first thinking, that is directly opposed to the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace is this, unmerited favor, unearned, undeserved, that that this is undeserved, this is undeserved. God is gracious to us. I don't do anything to earn it, but God gives it freely to me. And so then we love because he first loved us. We, We give graciously expecting nothing in return. Why? Because that's what we have in the gospel. We go and we do likewise. Why? Because we want him to receive all of the glory. Giving from a gracious heart never looks for a reason out. It always looks for an opportunity to get in. There's this verse in Matthew that says, let let your light shine before all men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want people to see our good deeds, not to boast, 
And I know there's a passage about, you know, not let your right, but, but the, the intention, the heart is what I think the two passages get at, is that when we have the right heart and people see our good deeds, they glorify our Father in heaven. And at the end, what this passage I think is getting at is that everybody involved is blessed. The giver is blessed. The person that receives is blessed. And then God is blessed. And so is there anyone, is there anyone that's thanking God, maybe perhaps right now, for our obedience, for our generosity. I've mentioned this family before, and, and I got their permission also to, to, share, to share their story. I've mentioned this family, the, the Shero family. Uh, he, they are a family that uh, got, got connected with us through the Halloween parade, and, uh, and then the next Easter started coming to church. And so I, I emailed him about this this week and said, hey, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that story. Because I kind of really just knew what I just said. That was kind of it. And uh, the Cheryl family had recently moved here. And, uh, and, and so his, his uh, fiance uh, was like a, more of a social butterfly and wanted to get to know people. And so Halloween parade, they, they came down, started to interact with people. And she, needed, she wanted a hot cup of cocoa. And she said to Eric, hey, I'm... Uh, Jess said to Eric, like, hey, I'm going to go find some hot cocoa. And she comes back and says it was free and shows a car. And, she, and Eric's like, hey, you know this is a church, right? And she's like, well, I don't care. They were really cool, really nice, and they gave me a free cup of cocoa. And, and they didn't really think much more about it. But now, but then Eric in his email like, kind of backtracked and said, hey, let me tell you about my, our spiritual journey. Uh, Jess never really went to church. She was kind of Catholic, Christmas and Easter only. Uh, but I grew up in church. I went to church. I worked for Catholic churches. I worked for Christian churches uh, and, and Christian and Catholic schools. Like, I was in it. But then 22, I saw how judgmental. I, I got turned off, and I, and I walked away from it. Uh, I got turned off by the whole born again thing. And then, you know, now we fast forward to, to the Halloween parade. We get a free cup of uh, hot chocolate. It kind of hit us with this uh, simple act of kindness. And then it's time to, for Easter. And Jess comes to me and says, you know what? I think, it's, I think our kids should be interacting with, with church and, and learn some good morals. That can't be bad, right? And he's like, you really want to go to church? Like, you do? All right, like, that's great. Any, any church that makes you want to go, like, I'm all for it. And so they go to Wellspring. They go with, I think, their parents. And, and they're like, yeah, these people aren't so judgmental. Like, this, this is a church I, I could see ourselves going to. And they start going week after week. And now he's in premar they are in premarital counseling with Graham, allowing Graham and Heather to speak into their life, speak into situations. Jess has volunteered to help out at the well. Uh, Eric is, is helping out with production. He's, he's even playing uh, the bass from, from time to time uh, for the, I don't know if that's the right technique for playing the bass, but that's how you play the bass. And, and he's doing those types of things. Why? Because a simple act of kindness. I, I'm walking for, for the 100,000 diapers, the, the, the diaper giveaway that we're doing. I'm, I'm walking, I am struggling, and all of a sudden I see this lunatic in his big old truck whip around illegally almost run me over and it's Eric who's like hey here's a cup of water a bottle of water it kind of came full circle where we gave him a cup of hot chocolate and a few weeks ago he wildly gave me some water generosity goes so beyond us a cup of hot chocolate a box of diapers who knows what it can do. When did a community ever praise God for a stingy church? Doesn't happen. 
Do people see us as a church as generous? Do people see me as generous? Do people see you as generous? The real mark of that is if in turn they go and they praise our Father in heaven. Giving is living. It's an impactful decision. It's impactful to me. It's impactful beyond me. And so here's my challenge. You've, you've, if you've been following along in this series, it's not going to be a surprise. If you're kind of like waiting for it, like you're, this is the point where you're going to be like, see, I told you. And you're going to turn, and you're going to turn the camera off. My challenge is this. Would you set up a recurring gift? Am I hungry for your money? Nope. Your money doesn't mean anything to me. You could give a million dollars and I'm not going to get a single dime of it. <laughs> I don't get a raise if you give a million dollars. I believe in this mission. I believe in this church. I believe in what giving can do for you. And so my challenge is to set up a recurring gift. My challenge is this. If, if, if you are somebody that is, is not involved at all in the financial work of the ministry, would you, would you slide to the point where you are involved at some level? But if you're involved financially right now, maybe you're giving $10 or $20, would, would you maybe slide to the portion where now you're a significant giver, where maybe your giving is, is in line with what you pay for cable or Hulu, or you're giving away maybe what's in line with your car. Like it's something of, of significance, but maybe you're a significant giver. Can I challenge you to become a tither where it's actually 10% of your income going to the local church? And if you are a tither, can I challenge you right now to set up a recurring gift that would take you from tither to sacrificial giver? Why? Because we're family in this. And we're on a mission as a family. A few weeks, actually, about a year ago, uh, my brother, one of my brothers was, was, struggling, uh, was struggling with something and uh, needed a few dollars to, to help out. And they had some family stuff going on. And uh, like most married couples, my wife and I uh, have our own Venmo accounts. When we opened up our Venmo accounts, you couldn't share a bank account. And so she has a Venmo account to a, a bank account. Uh, and I have a Venmo account to a bank account. Uh, my Venmo account uh, pays for kids' sports. Uh, my wife's Venmo account, uh, she says it's free money and that she can do whatever the heck she wants with it and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so she'll, like, go out to dinner with friends. And I'll be like, oh, like, where is this coming out of the budget? And she's like, no, it's free money. It's from my Venmo account. It doesn't count. And I'm like, well, you live in La La Land, but here we are. And uh, I kid, she's in the room. Uh, but uh, so we have our secret Venmo accounts that no one knows about, but we really do know about. Anyways, I digress. My brother had a, had a, had a need. And without thinking, without any, without like, I mentioned it to Ava and I was like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give them like three, $400. Like this, we're, we're going to help them out, right? And she's like, yeah, we're going to help them out. And we it instantly did it without thinking. Why? Because he's my brother. Why? Because there was a need. Why? Because he's my brother. And that's what family does. A family that matters is worth an investment that matters. This week, I, uh, I, I was listening to the Bible on, on a walk, and I, and I, got, and I, he I heard this from, from John chapter 20. Can I, can I read this to you? It says, Jesus said to her, this is after Jesus just, just rose from the grave. He said, do not cling to me. This is Mary Magdalene. Uh, for I have not ascended to the Father, but go tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went 
and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. So she, he said, go to the, go to the disciples. Go, I mean, go to my brothers. And where does she go? She goes to the disciples. He's saying, my father, your father. And, and what Mary knew was that when Jesus rose from the grave, that he was saying, these disciples, they are my brothers. They are family. And so she goes. And then as Jesus is leaving this earth, he says to his brothers, his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church, we are still going. Church, we are still moving. Church, we are buying diapers to give out in Tom's River. Church, we are supporting our region by supporting America's Keswick, a drug and alcohol rehab to help those in our community and our general region through addiction. We are going to the world through a partnership with Brazil to plant more and more churches. We are looking to plant a church ourselves. We want to see new churches started by people on mission with Holy Spirit fire. Why? Because he first loved us. And so too, my brothers and my sisters, we are still on mission. We still have our marching orders. 2020 has not changed anything for us. We, if anything, it has given us more resolve. If anything, it's giving us greater focus. My brothers and sisters, will you join me on mission? This is family work, not individual work. It's individuals supporting the family, and it's the family going on mission. Giving is living when we are living and giving for the kingdom where he receives all glory and honor. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this online experience. Lord, I thank you for people, men and women tuning in. Lord, I thank you for men and women that are willing to wrestle with this concept, willing to trust you, willing to stretch themselves, willing to grow character Father, as you impact them through these concepts. Father, I pray that you would move in our church and that we would be a church. Father, I thank you for a church. Lord, as Graham said last week, I am not preaching to a church that isn't generous, asking them to be generous. I'm preaching to a church that is generous and I'm asking them to be increasingly generous to build that character. I thank you for the 50,000 diapers. Father, I thank you that we're likely going to meet all of our expenses this year. Father, you are good. You are using people. Father, this is not a plea because there's desperation. Father, would you build our character and would our character be seen in our cheerful giving? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.